Are you sick and tired about hearing about female empowerment? Move over ladies, it's our turn. Just kidding. Female empowerment is much needed, but what about male empowerment? What about a channel dedicated to men, a platform to empower them to live a more fulfilled life? This is what the Afro Derivative Podcast is about. Each week I interview experts or men who have experience in key topics such as improving overall health, wealth, being more connected in key relationships, breaking down those limited beliefs, and being open and authentic as a man. So sit back, relax, grab a beer or water if you're driving, and listen now. This week's show, I interview Scott from The Mighty 100, who's a personal trainer and owns a personal training business, but actually, exercise almost killed him. He suffers from a rare heart disease, ARVC, arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy. And Harry balances dealing with the disease with being a father, husband, and a business owner too. He's worked in many personal training businesses and actually worked with Jasmine from Aladdin, the movie. Listen out to this episode, you'll be inspired by this gentleman who's doing fantastic work in the community of Milton Keynes and really wants to drive his business forward. A little sneaky thing, we actually trained with the same gentleman, Darren Tebenham, and he was part of the European Institute of Fitness. He graduated in 2008, I graduated in 2016. Yeah, he's a great guy, you'll learn loads from him. And if you do like this episode, consider giving it a review at the end. Okay, so I'm here today with Scott from Mighty 100. So, Scott, um, let's kick off the show with what does fitness mean to you? Hey, uh, okay, fitness, that's a big question. Yes. And I guess it's, it's so subjective to the person. Uh, I like to think, fitness, if I was to quantify fitness, I yeah. would say it is the person's ability to do whatever it is they want with their body at any time. Cool. Makes sense. I like that division, definition. Um, so, why do you think it's important? Well, um, Kind of, I think part of the reason you're interviewing me today, and I'll kind of yeah. get this out there, is that uh, I was a very, very fit guy. Yeah. Uh, always have been my whole life. Fitness is sort of my my passion. It's what I studied. It's what I know. Yeah. Uh, I own. I am a personal trainer. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I had it taken away from me. So I was diagnosed with a condition called ARVC, which is a sudden cardiac death syndrome. The ironic thing about ARVC, unfortunately for someone like me, is it means that I had to give up exercise. Mm. And as a result of that, over the past four years since my diagnosis, I've got less fit. And because I've been losing my fitness yeah. and it's been disappearing, I understand its real value. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, so I guess to answer your question, um, fitness is something I understand because it's something I no longer have. Yeah. And, and how did it all start then? So tell me, how did you well, how that begin? Uh, so I was big into rugby, big into my squash, yeah. big into my lifting at the gym. Uh, I was the obnoxious guy that would wake up at 5am to <laughs> have his smoothie and That's do his right. steady state cardio, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, so I could keep my body fat under 10%. Uh, and then I put my daughter to sleep one night yeah. and I just had a cardiac arrest. Oh, wow. okay. Fortunately, my wife was able to keep me around. That's why I have to do all the dishes now. <laughs> Got <laughs> uh, you for life. That's in. Uh, and then I was taken to Milton Keynes where I was diagnosed, and then onto Oxford where they put in a defibrillator in my chest. So actually, in my chest, I have a it's called NICD. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's kept me alive on more than one occasion. Wow. So if you were to have another one, it kicks in. So if my yeah. heart rate goes above two hundred beats a minute, yeah, it kicks in and attempts to level out. It's kind of like getting hit in the chest with a sledgehammer. Um, I when I first got diagnosed, I uh, I kind of tried to cheat the system a little bit. 
So I decided that I was going to carry on exercising a little bit, right? Because Gosh. I was a young guy, and what yeah. do they know? But every time I did that, it came for me. Oh, uh, I went okay. and uh, I ran with the bulls in Pamplona. That was something that I decided that I wanted to do. I took a group of my clients to go and do that. Yeah. And uh, I got hit on the run. So uh, not not just by a bull, but one with defibrillator as well. So it's at that point I decided, you know what, maybe maybe bowling or golf. Wow. And then that's a lot of information, a lot of stuff you said. Yeah, so no, yeah. Just to backtrack a bit. No, it's fine. Just for the viewers and to understand a bit more. So when you first had that heart attack, when yeah. you, what wife was it you said at the time? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So wife was around. What? What were you doing? Were you doing anything particular? So nothing in particular. Was... I was fine. I had a yeah. bit of a virus, okay. uh, but nothing more than just a runny nose, not really. And, and uh, everything yeah. was fine. Unfortunately, with a lot of young men, uh, the first symptom of uh, heart disease is sudden cardiac death. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Straight in. Straight in. Wow. That's it. So whereas if you had been paying attention to my heart in the weeks coming up to it, if I'd have been hooked up to a machine or an yeah. ECG, then there would have been telltale signs that something was wrong. But if you're a happy, healthy guy, there's yeah. no reason to get those tests done. So it's not something they would be able to identify. Yeah. And uh, and it hit me. That's it. It's the same condition that Fabrice Mwamba. Yeah, yeah, the football pitch, wasn't it? Football player, yeah, 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 on the, yeah, yeah, on the field, yeah. Absolutely fine. Then suddenly, just like that, not fine. Wow. How many people have this? Because I mentioned we so yeah, so um, so there's about it's different, difficult because lots of people actually have it, yeah. but it remains dormant until oh, okay. uh, something would happen, something triggers it. Uh, at the moment, in the UK, it's about sixty thousand people diagnosed okay. with uh, ARVC. The uh, condition itself uh, influences people differently. Uh, in me, it was quite aggressive. Some people uh, won't get it until their 50s and 60s. It depends on their lifestyle because I was yeah. very, very busy and very, very fit. Yeah. I was using my heart a lot. Whereas if I hadn't been using my heart a lot, if I'd been had an office job or yeah. you know something that didn't involve me pumping blood around my body all the time, then uh, I probably wouldn't know about it until later on. Wow, that's um, crazy. It's mostly hereditary. Yeah. So my father father died of it his brother wow. died of it his brother died of it and his and my great-grandfather would have passed away the first diagnosis of ARVC was seven years ago so it was called something else it was an acute idiopathic cardiomyopathy before acute just meaning it killed you idiopathic meaning they didn't really know why and yeah. cardiomyopathy meaning they knew it was something to do with the heart but didn't know what it wow. was so so what does that mean now for your fitness then you can do so so for my fitness uh, it's more about staying mentally fit. Okay. Um, as you know, there is a massive parallel between physical fitness and mental fitness. Yeah. And if you're someone that loves to exercise and get out there and get the heart rate up yeah. and push boundaries, to suddenly not be able to do any of those things, it was a massive spiral. Yeah. And uh, you know, I got very depressed for about a year, year and a half, suffered with anxiety, all sorts of issues because I had to stop doing the things that I enjoyed. Yeah. You know, not just the physical element, but there was the, the camaraderie from the rugby that I missed, there was the competitive stuff that I missed, um, all the cathartic elements mm. that came with, with training. Uh, they were no longer there. So it was about realigning my thought process. And this was at a time where I was considering buying a gym. Okay. So uh, I thought, do I stay in it yeah. and do my best to help other people, or do I pull out? You know, had some opportunities to do some other things, uh, but it was my passion, so it's it's what I've stayed with. Okay. And then, do you think that it's 
I guess a typical thing for men in sports when it does get taken away that they have not a plan B per se. Yeah. Is it very that's very common? I you think have some so. footballers who like stop playing and then yeah. also like what do I do now and the drink, drugs, alcohol kicks in. I see, Is I that see, similar yeah. to what like, you kind of felt at the yeah, time? Like, what do I do now? I see so that quite that a bit yeah. in uh, in what I do anyway in working yeah. with people. Because yeah. everyone was always fit when they were younger, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, it's necessarily that dramatic always. Me yeah. obviously had a heart attack and yeah. had to stop. Whereas a lot of people their priorities start to change. Just slowly. You know, slowly. Yeah. Month by month, year by year. So get a kid, you know, yeah. job changes, the amount of time that you can commit goes down. You compromise and compromise and compromise yeah. until a lot of the time all the sports and purposeful exercise that you're ever doing yeah disappear yeah. but your your requirement for it for burning the calories your requirement for it for helping you f mentally yeah. uh, stays so you know people end up with these like uh, a hole that needs to be filled yeah and they're aware of it you know yeah. you talk to the guys that have got yeah. out of shape and they know they you know they need to get back into it but they can't or they don't have the time or whatever uh, reason that they're using to justify not doing it anymore yeah. What do you think is the biggest excuse that you've come across? Or biggest excuse or? is time. Yeah. Time is always the biggest excuse because uh, the reality is you could go down to your leisure centre and spend yeah. two pounds going to the gym, yeah. you know, or you could get a minimum contract, yeah. uh, no contract, in fact, yeah. a budget gym for 14 quid, and you got everything there that, you know, the gyms didn't even, the most expensive yeah. gyms didn't even have five yeah. years ago, you know. Sure. Uh, but time is the biggest excuse, and uh, it's difficult because everyone will be sitting there going, but I have time. Do yeah. have, no, I don't have time. Yeah. You don't know how busy I am. I'm the yeah. exception. But when you yeah, sit down with that. people, and this is something that we always do, is we go, let's go over your time. Yeah. And the reality is you've got 168 hours in your week. Really, if we're talking about getting to and from a location, committing to exercise, you need about four hours a week, yeah. really, to commit to make a bit of a change. You know that. So why can't you find four hours out of 168 yeah. when we know that the average person really isn't working over 50 hours? Some yeah. people push it, some people are 60, some people are 70. Hell, there may be some of you out there that are doing 80, 90 hour weeks. Yeah. But we know if we're sleeping for six to eight hours a nine, that still leaves you with a solid 40 hours, 50 yeah. hours of rec time that we do fill, whether it be watching TV, on our phones. You know, if you, the phones are amazing now in the sense that they'll actually track the amount of screen time. Yeah, I've seen that, that, yeah, that. You can yeah, see yeah, that, yeah, you, you know, that. we're averaging seven or eight hours a week, and that's on social media, yeah. right? So if you just put a, heart, a phone down for half the time and actually commit to yourself, it's there. Yeah. But I think the reality is people have the time and yeah. they have the money, but it's the focus they don't have. I think we have a capacity to deal with stuff, yeah. you know, and to deal with work and to deal with home and to deal with the kids or whatever it is you're dealing with. Plus, adding in a fitness yeah. and well-being goal, it's uh, it can appear to be too much, and that manifests itself in a lot of people. I think yeah. with don't have time, don't have. Yeah, and you think there's there's always. I always like to say it's, it's not a lack of time; it's a lack of priorities. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because just don't prioritize the fact that until it comes to the forefront, when it's like, oh crap, I've got to do something about this now. That's it. Because it's pushed to the front of the the line, if you like. If to be honest with you, the majority of guys that I see, yeah, that come into our facility are in their mid 50s to early 60s and they've come because they've had a scare. Mm. So the doctor has gone, you're pre-diabetic or yeah. your blood pressure is too high or you're overweight and then they're called to action. And a lot of the time they love it. Yeah. You, know, you guys, we're designed to be moving, yeah, we're designed yeah. to be progressing that way. Definitely. There's nothing about the fitness journey that isn't enjoyable for a lot of them, most yeah. of, you know, most men. So. Uh, 
when they get doing it, they're wondering why they weren't doing it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, but they, but they need that call to action. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time, and that's sad. You know, being someone who was fit, was healthy, and is now suffering and living with heart disease. You know, this is something that impacts a lot of men. Mm-hmm. You know, about twenty, thirty percent, and a lot of the time, it's lifestyle oriented. You mm-hmm. can avoid it. Don't be sitting in a hospital ward with a condition that you could have avoided if you'd gone out and done something you'd like to do anyway. Yeah. You know, to drink your water, maybe cut back on the uh, on the saturated fats just a little bit, and go and exercise. Mm. You, know, you want to hang out with your buddies and play some squash. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. want to go to the gym and lift a few weights. So uh, let's go and do it. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, man. Appreciate that. Um, so, what made you get into the fitness industry? Or to, was it because of what was it? Um, yeah, what like what triggered you? What? Well, I had got um, into university to go and study occupational therapy. And I went and started doing that. And I, on the side to earn some money, was doing fitness stuff. Ah, okay. And I got certified to be a PT, and I actually enjoyed that so much more. And was earning, at that time, way more money than I would be earning 10 years into being an occupational therapist. And I (laughs) thought, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) I might just do this. Uh, And then I moved across to Canada, where I was fortunate to work on the Biggest Loser program over there. Oh, yeah. For a window of time. As one of the support PTs, not one of the main guys. (laughs) One of the guys that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. Every element of it, all the transformations, the being there with yeah. people, the working on it, and seeing what difference you know you can make. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's preventative healthcare. Yeah, and you know it's you connect with people in a way that I can't imagine you could in any other job. I'm sure there are other yeah. jobs out there where you can, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And uh, from that point forwards, I was always going to try and get my own gym and I was always going to try and create my own process. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, in spite of everything, I'm, I'm there. That's right. Yeah. You know, I'm not in the kind of shape that I hoped I would be. Yeah. But uh, it's not, not as important as I once thought it was. Yeah. Is it, do you think that's a challenge for yourself, as in, because if you're getting your clients to aspire to be something, to sure. them, is that a challenge for yourself? Yeah, it is a, it is a kind challenge. Of overcome? And for the first couple of years, it was all I could think about because yeah. I was working a big box gym, and you know how competitive yep, days can yep. be, you know, and you got twenty other trainers all yep. in immaculate shape, and you're day by day getting in worse shape, yeah. you know, and your credibility wanes because yeah. the only credibility you really have is either the physical condition that you're in or your academics. That's sort of how people yeah. think about it. Yeah, and whereas I didn't finish the university experience, and now I was getting out of shape. It was, well, what does this guy really know? Yeah. Fortunately for me, I had a, a long ream of clients at those points who could, who could actually, he does know okay, what he's exactly. doing. Yeah. You know, he's got, you've got a catalog of people you have helped. But at the same time, it's always in the back of your head. Mm. And that was the biggest demon that I had to overcome. And, uh, you know, I've come to the realization now that whereas, yes, people will look at a trainer and go, does he know what he's doing? Let's have yeah. a look at his physique. He's in good physique. Clearly he does. It's nowhere near as important as being able to connect with people. Yeah. And the heavier yeah, I've got yeah. and the more out of shape I've got, the better I can connect. Yeah. So I know what it's like to struggle to get up the stairs. I know what it's like to struggle to tie shoelaces. You know, I now know what it is like and I can totally empathize with uh, going into a clothes shop and not being happy with what you see. Mm. You know, it's sad, but it motivates me to help more people because, I, you know, the things that I've feel and have felt I think to myself man I'd hate to go through this if I had a choice if I you know I would hate to be like this and I can actually I'm in a position now where I can influence other people and take them away from that that's unique though isn't it yeah it's it's understanding the pain points uh, allows me to connect with the people just a little bit better I think because when I was a fit guy I was only ever fit yeah so I always bought shirts a size down and you know I 
it was easy to judge heavier set people. Mm. Whereas now, you know, I don't because uh, I know there can be a thousand reasons why someone is heavier set. You know, there's at least sixty thousand people in the UK with my condition walking yeah. around. You know, so wow, it's inspiring. That, isn't it? You've taken your pain, I guess, and then put it into something to serve people. Sure, yeah. and that and that was the yeah that was eventually what it came around to. But yeah. there was a period of time there where yeah I thought about ducking out. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. But uh, but yeah so. Kind of move forward from there, and I'm glad that I did. Right. What made you not duck out then? That's a very like yeah. pointed question, a point to ask, because there's, there's men out there who will feel like you feel or felt yeah. at that time. Sorry. Yeah, so. um, my family for one. Yeah. Obviously, that's that, that's a big one. Um, and I guess I felt I felt incomplete. I felt like I still had stuff to give. Okay. You know, I, I knew deep down that I could turn this into a positive. But uh, it was very hard for me because you know what it's like being a PT. It's relatively superficial. You know, you have you, you associate yourself as a kind of person, and then you stop becoming that person, mm. and uh, you have to fall in love with with yourself. Discipline, as you know, is just yeah. loving yourself. Yeah, loving yourself enough to make the actions that are uh, necessary to move forward. I've always said that to uh, a lot of the heavier set people I train. Is that the first thing you got to do is love yourself, and it's not yeah. easy to do when you don't look, you know, like you do, ever. Yeah. You know, when you're in great shape, it's easy to love yourself. When yeah. you're not, it's it's harder. And discipline is the voice inside your head that goes, "Hey, man, I'd love for you to have that chocolate bar, yeah. but you know what? I love you too damn much yeah. to let you have it." And uh, if you don't have that voice in your head, if you don't love yourself, it, yeah. it's not there, and you're the chocolate bar, right? So, uh, finding that self love again was challenging, but with the help of my family, my wife especially, that was that was there. Amazing, man! It's incredible. That's Thanks for sharing that. Oh, that's that okay. means a lot. Well, awesome. Um, what? Okay, let's go back. Jump a couple of questions. What is a common mistake you think most men make when trying to improve their fitness? What a common mistake they make yeah. when they try and improve their fitness? Oh, oh gosh. The, the common ones you see a lot. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and every day you see it. Like, <laughs> over and over. Okay. Uh, I think that. I mean, you could probably say this, having worked in gyms yourself. Um, not getting a plan. So going, you know what, I'm going to get fit, yeah. and there, 10 minutes of treadmill, 10 minutes of the bike, 10 minutes of the row machine, followed by a little bit of resistance work on the machines, and maybe abs and a little bit of free weight work. Yeah. But uh, you know as well as I do that uh, you'll get really good at being on the treadmill for 10 minutes, yeah. and you'll be really good at being on the bike for 10 minutes, and you'll be really good at being on the row machine for 10 minutes, and you don't progress. So you've got to have that structure, yeah. and you should know what to expect and by when. Okay. Because if you don't know that, then you just you're just guessing. Okay. And unfortunately, unless you're tracking something, it won't improve. Okay. And uh, yeah, your results will fall by the wayside. You get demotivated, and you'll try again next yeah. January. Yeah. So is that man with no plan? Man with no plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. Cool. And there's and no reason not to have a plan. I mean, yeah. there's a million good ones online. Yeah. Literally, you don't have to get yourself a trainer involved. You can look online. Brilliant resources like. Yeah bodybuildingforyou.com are just tremendous if you uh, if you want to get yourself a little bit of a plan but making sure you have one yeah what is it that don't then go to these websites and uh, that time thing again yeah well it's like a big th- unlock isn't it because it's, it's, it's trying to like obviously we're in a similar industry in, in, yeah. in respects and it's like trying to unlock that piece where like well, why is it that and it's, it feels why like different for everyone you can't generically just, it's, 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 it's so hard. It's, it's hard. I remember. I remember. I was training this uh, this one guy, really smart guy, PhD fella. Uh, he must be worth millions. I won't yeah. say his name. 
and I turned to him and said, okay, we're just going to do 10 bicep curls here with the 10. Bicep curl? Yeah, bicep curl. Just yeah. grab that and give me 10. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And you just have this presumption that people just inherently know the basics. Okay, yeah. But a lot of the time, they don't. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And the basics here of creating a plan being, go to a website, get a plan. Yeah. Talk to someone, get a plan. You know, a lot of people won't know to do that in the first place. They yeah. just think that when they arrive into a gym, gym that they should know. Yeah, yeah. And no one, one yeah. no one yeah. just knows. All those people who are in immaculate shape in the gym, all the people that you may want to look like, they've taken the time to yeah. to look and do the research. You know, they're yeah. book, they're book smart on it, and uh, and they've gone and got a plan. So, okay, that makes sense. Go get a plan. <laughs> get the plan. <laughs> get the plan, man. <laughs> so, um, what is the biggest fitness myth you think is out there? Last? Six week six pack, I guess. Oh, you see it all the time. Course. I know the Men- front cover of Men's Health magazine. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> 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 uh, the biggest myth. Oh gosh. Uh, or one of many, if you've got a plethora of them. There, there are there are so many myths out there. I think that if you are of the belief that getting in good shape yeah. isn't anything but exercise, nutrition done the right way, consistently and congruently for a significant window of time, yeah. then you're on the wrong plan. If you're taking a berry blast shake, yeah. thinking that you are, you are six <laughs> weeks away from a sex pack, I've got some bad news for you. Yeah. You know, and it's stuff you see time and time again. Because unfortunately, industry is it's full of people trying to make a buck, yeah. and uh, it's not easy. You know, if you look at the people who are in great shape, they're either just very genetically fortunate yeah. or they're working their socks off. But it's worth it. Yeah. You know, coming from someone that can't do it, if you can, it's worth every second mm. and you'll love it more and more. Yeah. Okay, so um, what do you think is the six pack thing? Like six A six weeks? pack, it's what interesting. What do you think is that 12 weeks what? to get the. What, what's all- it's interesting because uh, obviously recently there's been a lot of research out there saying that uh, a, lot of, a lot of women. Yeah. prefer a little bit of a dad bod yeah. to a six pack yeah. and uh, I think the six packs are more to impress your gym buddies than, than members of the opposite sex <laughs> <laughs> um, the six pack thing I think it's a pinnacle isn't it so yeah. if you have that volume of body fat if yeah. you can see your abdominal muscles it means that you know what you're doing you have discipline you've really accomplished something okay. and you know through that I can totally understand the uh, the obsession with it and you know what? If that's something you want to do, go for it. Yeah. But uh, you got to have the right kind of plan. You got to do it healthy as well. Yeah. You know, you can starve yourself to a six pack, like uh, Tom Hanks from Castaway, pretty easy. <laughs> like just just smoke rather than eat. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you want something that's truly impressive that you'd see on an athlete, then you got to you got to train and do the things that like athletes an athlete, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No berry blasts. No, no <laughs> I'm getting berry blasts a hard time. But uh, you can still have a berry blast. Just do other things as well. <laughs> just don't have five very last a day. Just, just, just don't have your five rather than eating meals, you know, oh, for sure. Okay. Um, I, I guess you kind of answered a bit of this, but what's your view on the current state of the fitness industry? Why do you think it is the way it is? Oh, why is it? Why is it how it is? You see, the fitness industry has changed a lot in yeah. the last five, ten years. You know, we're starting yeah. to see a lot more of the, the CrossFit stuff coming in, the yeah. functional stuff coming in and uh, moving away from just free weights uh, and cardio equipment. Uh, The fitness industry is so much more diverse than it once was, Mm. which is nice. Um, I would say it's also also better led and more informed than it ever has been. 
You know, there's a lot more information out there for yeah. people walking into gyms. A lot of gyms will have body scanning machines, so you can pay attention to things that aren't just how much you weigh. Yeah. A lot of gyms now will have orientation services that you can get that plan we spoke about without yeah. having to spend any more money. A lot of gyms will have this, the kind of uh, resistance machines now, which means that you can train safely with an injury which is nice. Yeah. I think there's been a lot more standardization around classes. Okay. So for example, Les Mills yeah. is a brilliant class structure. And what that means is every time you go to a class, you're going to have a good class. Yeah. It's unfortunately come at the expense of the instructors, so they're having to spend a lot more yeah. uh, to be part of it and they have to get, you know, that being said, though, you always get a good class. Yeah. But what you don't get, and this might be a controversial thing to say, is a amazing class. Sometimes, okay. I'm sure you know, when you've led a class yeah. or whatever it is, something just clicks yeah. and you run with it and it's buzzing yeah. and you're changing things as you go yeah. and they're loving it. And amazing classes like that, you know, some good instructors can deliver them most of the time. Yeah. However, when you standardize something, you don't get that. You there's just no, there's get, no personal touch. There's no personal touch. You just yeah. get the good class. Yeah. You know? okay. So there is an element of that. And, uh, and it's pushing the smaller classes out. You know, when you have these big volume yeah. gyms that have 50, 60 people in a class, you know, it means that Joe's gym down the corner who does do good classes yeah. is unfortunately pushed out. But um, as a general rule, I think that uh, the gym industry is trending the right way. Okay, you do. You think it's going to right? Okay, I cool. do, yeah. yeah. And then how, how how you're playing your part in that? Because obviously you've got Mighty 100. Talk. Yeah, sure. How, how did it start? I love the same. Name, so oh, yeah. I know how it started in the name. <laughs> so you tell me. Like the Mighty 100 started, uh, the name was a placeholder yeah. until something better could come along. It was Mighty because I was training a woman called Naomi Scott at the time yeah. who was trained to become a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger yeah. and 100 because I'm big into this uh, Dr. <laughs> Stephen Peters who claimed that it takes 100 days to change your behavior. So that why, that's why it was the Mighty 100. Yeah. Uh, my gym could never compete with something like a David Lloyd yeah. or a Pure Gym, for example. The amount of money and volume, it's just not there. We've gone down the personal training and group training niche yeah. because we give people more focus. Yeah. Right. So everything you do with what it is that we do is more one-to-one because yeah. we know that... Uh, there's a, there's a brilliant study done. It was done by the uh, guy called uh, Dr. Charles Poliquin, I believe, from the University of Phoenix. And it's called an ill-fated New Year's resolution. Uh, and what he did is he took uh, 200 people from seven different locations all over the UK. Yeah. And he went to them in his team and interviewed them one year and said, right, okay, who are you trying to lose weight? Blah, blah, blah. We're going to come back two years from now and see how many of you have been successful. And bear in mind, these are people who have just signed up for a gym, yeah. but the best intentions yeah, in the yeah. world. <laughs> two years later, comes back. On average, it was three to four people in every location that have been successful. So I put the success percent rate at about 2%. So he yeah. then interviewed these people to find yeah. out, you know, what are the common denominators? You know, why were these people successful and other people hadn't? Because these people weren't. And... Uh, Long and short of it, it was two things. One, they had changed their mindsets. Those people had maneuvered themselves from people who should do something about yeah. it, because we all should do something about it, to musts, so they must do something about yeah. it. Uh, and the other was that they always track their food. Yeah. That's it, they track their food. So a big staple for what it is that we do is we try and convert mindsets from shoulds to musts, yeah. which is trickier than you think sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then we always making sure people track their food. And then we give people that proverbial plan that we spoke about yeah. to making sure that they're where they should be, full accountability, and that they're engaged with. Because people will let each other down. Yeah. But, sorry, people will let themselves down. Yeah. People don't let 
other people down as easy. Yeah, yeah, you held accountable to someone else. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. example, you know, today, to talk about it quite candidly, yeah. there's no way I would have come into work or into this building yeah. because I got out of hospital yesterday, yeah. had a massive lung clot, and I'm still lucky to be here. Yeah. But I came in because I didn't want to let you down. Yeah. You know, and it's the same in the gym. When you put people in a small group environment, they will come because they know that they're propping up and supporting other people. Yeah. And their whole idea with the Mighty 100 is we are together as one. Our yeah. crest says similar ut unum, which is Latin for together as one. And awesome. you get a real sense of community yeah. when you walk in. It's sort of like the bar from Cheers. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows everyone. <laughs> it's just a really pleasant yeah. environment to be in. And uh, as a result of that, you know, the support culture we have and the engagement matrix we have means that the people are successful. Not only are they successful, but they and us enjoy their journey. Yeah, awesome. that's really good. I love that. It's all like community. I, I feel totally the same about it. Once you've got that community sorted, it just helps. It comes um, reinforced messages, doesn't it? It just creates that, that environment awesome. that you don't, you have to, inf not enforce, you have to direct, but you don't have to spend that time thinking, come on guys, they're kind of do it themselves. That's it. To each other. It's like, make it sticky. That's yeah, it yeah. makes it sticky. sticky. That's, sticky. It. That's sure. a whole retention model. Just yeah. make it really sticky, sticky. Yeah, yeah. so no one can actually go anywhere. These are proper terms. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Google it. <laughs> yeah, Google sticky and see why people can't believe. <laughs> Don't do that. Right, um, so you mentioned the mindset piece about should because um, I spoke to a, uh, a therapist on a different podcast show, my partner does, Farah, and she says that should comes from other people. Um, is it then taking? Uh, is it then about taking ownership of your own um, fitness versus people said I should do this? Is that where you? Because that's the mind piece. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah should, and it really resonated with me. Oh. I wonder if it's the same for you or not. It do, it does kind yeah. of because part of our model is based on the Alcoholics Anonymous model. Okay. Now you know in the states with Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. it's really taken very seriously, and it can determine whether or not you get jail. It can determine whether or not you get your driving license yeah. back. And there is a twelve-step program, but there's only two things you actually have to do. Yeah. So one is that you have to meet you have a problem. So yeah. it's hi, I'm Scott. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. And the final thing you have to do is you have to help someone overcome their alcoholism. Oh, okay. So when you're talking about the should being yeah. through led through other people, yeah. no, I, to I totally agree. Yeah. And. Uh, when people come in, a lot of the time they won't own the fact that yeah, they're the yeah, problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, oh, I've got out of shape because I'm too busy with work, yeah. and my partner always cooks this bad food for me, and I've got bad genetics, and my my parents were heavy set and too old. Yeah, yeah too old. That's yeah, exactly. I, I get that a lot. <laughs> you hear it all the time. Yeah. Right. So you know you have to overcome those objections, but eventually you get to the point where people realise that it is themselves because yeah. unless unless they're like you like you know unless they're owning it and they're saying I am the problem. There's yeah. nothing we can do to fix it. Mm. You know, it all starts with that discipline inside, that yeah. self-love that we spoke about earlier. And, uh, and yeah, so I would agree with that. And I think that um, helping someone else overcome Help and get in shape, yeah. which is all part of our model, it really helps solidify it for themselves yeah. because suddenly they're now a role model for that person. Yeah. You know, so it was, uh, yeah, I would, I'd agree. I'd agree with, right. with Farah. Yeah, far away, yeah, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Awesome. Um, what advice would you give to men who are starting out on their fitness journey? Oh, yeah, get a plan. Okay, cool. <laughs> get, a, get a plan, man. <laughs> know what you're doing. Know what you're doing. Find out what your why is. Okay. So yes. why are you trying to get fit? Yeah. You know, and and connect with it often because it's going to get hard. You know, yeah. 
there's um, the emotional cycle of change. So in your first two weeks, man, you're gonna yeah. go through a valley, yeah. you're gonna cut your carbohydrates down, you're gonna make yourself miserable and sore, yeah. and you're gonna wonder why it is you're doing yeah. it. You know, a huge percentage of people drop off in the first two weeks. Yeah. Why, because it's uncomfortable. You revert back to the, the, the comfort zone. Yeah, that, yeah, the, yeah. your comfort zone, yeah. the passage of least resistance, yeah. which is your familiar behaviors and yeah. rituals. So especially for the first two weeks, know why you're doing it and connect with it, and it mm. will get easier. And your why will change as you go. The goalposts always move. Yeah, same point. That's it. But we're all smart enough to know you got to get fit. You got to get healthy. So yeah. get a plan. Get start a plan. moving that way. Get a plan. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, to divert a little bit. Actually, what's your? Oh yeah, no, you've answered that one. What's your best experience with fitness? Then? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I like that. Oh, uh, you see, there's been so many brilliant experiences. I think that when I first when I first started, this always stayed with me. There was yeah. a kid called Nate, and Nate was maybe 17 years old, yeah. but he weighed in about 30 stone. Is this the guy we spoke up before? This no, I don't think no, so. Cool. Uh, oh, well, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe they did speak yeah. about him before. Well, I had to tell the Nate story. But anyway, here's like the, the first time I met Nate, um, it was part of this Biggest Loser thing. Yeah. And uh, I was teaching a boxing class. Yeah. So I had my pads up. And he was a big kid. He was a big kid, maybe like 6'4", wow. 30 stone, yeah. big guy. And I had these pads up, these focus mitts up. And uh, we're boxing. And actually, all, so we had five people on one side, five yeah. people on the other side. And I'm like, all right, team, just the basics. Jab, crosses. Yeah. Left punch, right punch. Are you ready? And he walked up to me, and he hit me so hard in the junk, I can't even begin to tell you. He just, there was, he didn't even attempt to go for the focus mitts. He hit me so hard. Wow, how did Yeah, he? I know. And man, I, yeah, that's exactly what my hands are up here. Yeah. How did that happen? I, I went down like, like a deck of cards, man. Yeah. I was, that's it. And it was the first class I ever took. Yeah. And it, I first, the only class I ever cancelled. Oh. I, <laughs> I threw such a turn. I was like, that's it. All back inside. Because <laughs> yeah. I was living residential at the time. And that's how I met Nate. He just walked yeah. up and whacked me in the ball. He's uh, <laughs> a kid and he, he struggled with all kinds of problems. Yeah. And, you know, he had a dad that wasn't around. And, he, you know, uh, he, uh, his mum was a bit of a feeder. I say a bit of a feeder. Uh, I use that term loosely. But, you know, he was on maybe 10,000 calories a day oh, plus. Oh. You know, 500 grams of sugar, like this kid had some problems. Um, now, cut a long story short, we got him from 30 stone down to about 18 stone. Wow. But he That's wasn't crazy. losing weight to start off with, and we couldn't figure out why yeah. until I walked past his car one day and saw there were just bottles and bottles of bottles of two liter Cokes. Uh, Coke. yeah. And he was just, he didn't associate drinking with putting weight on, just eating. Just the food, yeah. Just the food. Because we were paying attention to what he was eating, we was exercising. Yeah. A guy that size who's never exercised before, never engaged in nutrition program before, you know as well as I do, yeah. they drop weight yeah, quick. Yeah. But he wasn't dropping the weights, so I couldn't figure that out. So we managed to get around that and we went with some tizers and some other kind yeah. of drinks that were low cal just to get him, you know, Moving give him that yeah, aspartamine hit that he needed or and the fizz that he needed. But he dropped the weight and it was a total transformation and you know me to this day me and Nate are in, uh, in great uh, we get on really well together oh, awesome. he lives in Canada but every time I see him I just the first thing I always do is go walk up to him and whack him in the nuts <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time I see him I walk over to him <laughs> but uh, yeah and you know as a result now he's a PT out in Canada oh, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, amazing yeah. Oh, oh, oh. He's, he's doing brilliantly and he's motivating people and oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. what it's all about you help one guy he goes off and helps ten you know yeah. that's Oh, man, that's a great story. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Go Nate. <laughs> Go Nate, yeah. All right, so just taking a slight diversion from the fitness questions. That's around about sure. masculinity. So what does masculinity mean to you? 
yeah, okay. we had debates. We did, didn't we? <laughs> uh, I think masculinity, despite the fact that uh, it's often um, promoted as being a negative, yeah, uh, in negative connotation, is actually a very good thing. I think masculinity, at least for me, gets me up every morning at five a.m. and those early morning shifts yeah. to go and. Uh, provide for my family. Yeah. I think that masculinity gives me the edge I need to lead my team. You know, sometimes I need that energy to get the most out of my people. Mm. Now, masculinity can always come across sometimes as almost being aggressive, but that yeah. isn't necessarily, I think, how I would define masculinity. I think being assertive yeah. and sure of yourself are, are masculine traits. Now, I appreciate the fact there is yin and yang, yeah. and that, that you know there's value in the feminine traits. Of course, there are. I think yeah. if you can get that balance right and you make the best of your masculinity yeah. and the feminine element, yeah. uh, that really makes you a very well-rounded person. Mm. So, why do you think it's it's portrayed badly? Or? I think that um, there is a push, especially in the media now, yeah. for for a more dominant female role. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I have yeah. five sisters, I've got two yeah, daughters. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm all for it, absolutely. And as a result of that, the things that are more overtly masculine yeah. tend to be looked down on. Yeah. So it's a case of, you know, oh, you're just bullying, or, you know, a male in the workplace is, has got there out of a sense of privilege or entitlement yeah. because he is simply a man. So I don't know whether or not this would be particularly popular, but. Is he, did he have an advantage because he was male? Maybe that's why he's there. Not knowing uh, yeah. or understanding what his journey was because he may have really worked and yeah. suffered and struggled just to get to that point, just to be dismissed because he's male. It's interesting because um, Jordan Peterson talks about a lot of this about men being disagreeable and women being agreeable. Right. And, and that in the workplace could mean that um, if you disagree and you show that assertiveness, you're more likely to get those positions because you're more likely to put yourself out there. Right. Versus if you're agreeable, you're seen as a softer skill, therefore can't lead a team. So that that balance is quite fine, and he talks about it quite passionately about that. And it's just interesting you said what you said, and I think I've tended to disagree with that. Like I think I think everyone should just go be on the merit. Doesn't matter what sure. you are, because I'm a black man. Um, I could be then discriminated against and all the rest of it, but I, I don't see it as that. I see myself, if I put 100% effort into it, I, sh I will get where I need to be, sure. regardless. And people have already treaded that path before me. There's many black men who are successful, so why can't I be successful? That's the kind of view it sure. a little bit. But I think, you yeah. know, you can tell in our tone now, yeah. now we moved on to this subject, that we're having to be really careful. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, <laughs> <laughs> in case either of us get into politics, we yeah. don't want to say anything that yeah. would imply that we are in any way yeah. sexist or discriminatory. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't get that from you. And yeah. I know that I, I, I happen to think that women are tremendously better than men are. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a real role for masculinity in the workplace. Yeah. And masculinity doesn't necessarily have to be from a man. No, no. You know, it's I true. know plenty of women who are yeah. plenty of assertive and dismissive. Sharon's quite well. Uh, oh, God, absolutely. You know, <laughs> if I was to write on that wall the 10 people I'm afraid of most yeah. in the world, <laughs> they're well, all they're women. I can, tell yeah. right, I can tell you that much right now. Yeah, it's true. But uh, it's a very difficult subject to approach, and I appreciate yeah. the fact that you are trying to come at it. Yeah, I am. So, uh, definitely. I think I think there needs to be, it needs to be looked at, it needs to be addressed, there needs to be a focus on it in a positive way, not a negative way. That's, that's my feeling and approach on it, because it's just... There's so much good that men can do to the world, but because we can have tendency to be tarnished in a certain way, and the way some way we're portrayed can really impact that and 
the thing about father figures I'm very passionate about because I didn't have one growing up. Sure. That there's n- there's not many male po- there can be sorry not many male positive role models in boys young boys or men's lives going forward. So I think it's important to have that because you need to have that person to who's going to guide you. Sure. If, if you lack that guidance, it's hard. Like because I think again this is something I read and I've really thought about is that because women have a predefined role to be a mother that's already within their instincts as a man what's our role and we have to kind of find that out as a provider what how do we provide and what do we do and there's a bit more learning behind that and that's a struggle if you have any guidance in that that's tough sure I'm just out in the wild and it's, it's <laughs> yeah and it's easy, easy you know like we said yeah. before to take the past with least resistance yeah exactly yeah. you know being a dad being a father yeah. is tough sometimes yeah. you know I appreciate the fact we don't go through the pain element of giving birth. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, you know, being a dad and stepping up and taking care of your kids, it, it can be a challenge. Yeah. You know, it's easy not to. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Yeah. And the dads that step away, there needs to be something that steps in and fills that void. Yeah, 100%. You know. And if it's not a positive male role model, what is it? And that's the problem we have. Like, Two yeah. and a half million years of human evolution means yeah. that you know you you would have a masculine influence. Yeah. You know we were in tribes for the majority yeah. of that, and even if your dad wasn't around, there would be another male influence. Exactly. Yeah. Even up until a hundred years ago, you know you would have there were tighter communities. Always yeah. be a male role model. Yeah. So it's it's more uh, yeah twenty first century problem. Yeah, it is more and more. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So what does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment. I think it's well. It's not a subjective term, yeah. but I think it's more about being the best version of yourself. Yeah. And when you're when you're empowered, you're operating at the best of your capacity. Mm. You know, as a personal trainer, I'm sure you yeah. think this as well. That's what you want for people. Yeah. You know, people who are five stone overweight aren't as empowered as they should be. Yeah. Because they are suffering, and it's pulling away from suffering and thriving that gives people that I think sense of empowerment. Cool. Awesome. Great definition. Love it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, if you could give one message to all men out there, what would it be? If you had like a megaphone, oh. you could say one sentence, one thing, one message, what would it be? Oh man, that's a big <laughs> one, isn't it? If I could just give one message to all men out there. Uh, love each other. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, love each other, man. Believe we'll it that. That's a great, I love that. Simple. Uh, so how can I help you? How can this platform help you? What, any message you want to put out there or... Oh right, okay. Well, or say um, or uh, not particularly. No. no. Oh, I mean, there's lots of things, obviously, that yeah. uh, that your platform could do for me. Yeah. I run a transformation studio over, cool. in, over in Newport Pagnon. Yeah, you know, we really care. Yeah, yeah, come check it out. <laughs> we really care about our people. Yeah. And uh, if anything I've spoken about with on the podcast really resonates with you, and you yeah. want to come check us out, come check us out. Cool. Awesome. How, how do you get hold of you? Uh, so mighty100.com. Yeah. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. We're everywhere, <laughs> and uh, and send me a message or, yeah. or you book an appointment. Come in. We have these free consultations that we do. We literally we sit and chat just like this, yeah. and we try oh, and awesome. figure out the best thing for you. Awesome, cool. Thank you very much, Scott. Anything you want to add to that? Or? I think I just thought I, well, I th- it's a brilliant thing. I think you're doing. Cheers, man. Thank you for the good work, pal. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show. Great to have you. Yeah. Shake yeah, it out. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing by hitting the subscription button and every week you'll get alerted on the latest podcast show. Thank you very much, guys.